Hare Krishna, Manchakalpa Trubyascha, Lipasindu, Bebacha, Patitanam, Bhavanibyo, Vaishnavibyo, Namu Namaha. So, welcome to the next installment of Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 30, and we are up to text number 23. Uh, this is about the disappearance of the Yadu dynasty. Uh, and we're now uh, getting into Balaram's leaving and Krishna's leaving also. Um, so, just to remind you, what happened is uh, uh, by arrangement, uh, all the heroes of the Yadu dynasty were at. Uh, uh, Prabhasa Shetra, and uh, they became bewildered by drinking uh, the sweet Maireya beverage and became intoxicated and feel arrogant. They were actually bewildered, it says here, by the Krishna Maya, the, the illusory potency of Krishna. And uh, so they begin to fight with each other. Now, this is a terrible scene because they're fighting with each other. But you have to remember, these people... I remember once when I was in uh, Dublin. No, it wasn't Dublin, it was Belfast. I was at a Hare Krishna restaurant there in the morning. And this guy comes in and he's bleeding all over the place, bruised, torn clothes. And he comes and says, what a great fight! <laughs> what a trivia! <laughs> he was like, really, you know, just a chatter. <laughs> so there are people like that, with that spirit of really loving a great fight. And these are kshatriyas of that disposition. <laughs> they got into it. <laughs> So then it describes here, um, I'm reading through uh, <clears throat> text 14, infuriated, they seized their bows and arrows, swords, balas, some kind of weapon, uh, with a forked arrow or something like that, lances and spears and clubs and attack one another on the shore of the ocean riding on elephants and chariots with flags flying and also on donkeys, camels, bulls, buffaloes, mules, and even human beings. <laughs> the extremely enraged warriors came together and violently attacked one another with arrows, just as elephants in the forest attack one another with their tusks. Their mutual enmity aroused. Prajumna fought fiercely against Samba, Akrura, against Kunti Boja, Aniruda, against Satik, Asachiki, Subhadra, against Sangramajit, Sumitra, against Surata, and two goddesses against each other. Some of them are brothers, some you know, uncles, nephews, and so on. We ran down who these people were. And then it goes on, uh, others such as Nishata, Ulmukka, Sahasrajit, Shatajit, Banu confronted and killed one another, being, and again it emphasized, blinded by intoxication and completely bewildered by Lord Makunda himself. Completely abandoning their natural friendship, the members of the various Yadu clans, the Dasaras, the Vishnis, the Andakas, the Bojas, the Sattvatas, the Madhus, the Arbudas, the Mataras, the Surasenas, the Visarjanas, the Kukuras, the Kutis, all slaughtered one another. Thus bewildered, sons fought with fathers, brothers with brothers, nephews with paternal and maternal uncles, grandsons with grandfathers, friends fought with friends, and well-wishers with well-wishers. In this way, intimate friends and relatives all killed one another. When all their bows had been broken and their arrows and other missiles spent, they seized the tall stalks of canes with their bare hands. As soon as they took the cane stalks into their fists, the stalks changed into iron rods as hard as thunderbolts. 
these were the ones that they had grown up on the seashore where the the Brahmin's curse had somehow empowered a head of a club that they were joking with the Brahmins with. Remember the boys came uh, pretending to be a girl with a big belly. He said, can you tell me the uh, sex of my child? And it was really a club and they cursed him and said, this club will be the death of your dynasty. The club was ground up into fine filings and thrown into the ocean. They went to the shore and the canes grew up with this cursed club fragments of iron. And the last bit, of course, we'll hear about that. So these, when they grabbed these cane stalks growing on the, they, they turned into uh, iron rods or clubs. The word that's used could be both. We don't know which ones exactly. So uh, then uh, uh, they began to attack one another with these weapons because they all everything else was gone. And when Krishna, it says in 21, began to try to stop them, they attacked him uh, in their confused state. They also mistook Lord Balaram for an enemy and ran toward him with the intention of killing him. And there we are. Here we are. Text 23. So I'll read the Sanskrit. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So 23 goes. Atatavapi sankrudau Udhyamya Kuru Nandana Eraka mushtipa grihao charantao jagnatur yudhi. O son of the Kurus, Krishna and Balaram then became very angry. They were being attacked. Picking up cane stalks, they moved about within the battle and began to kill with these clubs. Yeah, sometimes. They they translate them that way, and uh, 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 the the word uh, parigraha parigrahao. These words are in the dual uh, uh, person. So these tau these two Krishna and Balaram. Ata tau these two. Uh, uh, greatly uh, sankrudhau, the two are greatly angered. Yudhyamya, they joined in the fight. Uh-huh. Uh, and Eraka uh, Mushti, uh, uh, in their fist, and using them as clubs, uh, they moved about and began to kill in the battle. Uh, Udhyamya, raising up the, uh, these uh, uh, these clubs. The word uh, Udhyamya, uh, the act of raising, uh, it's always, it's, every time you take up a weapon, this is used, like even in the Bhagavad Gita, 120. Danur Pandavaha. Uh, Pandu took up his bow. Udyamya, that same raised up. So every time you lift a weapon, this is uh, you, uh, the, the standard Udyamya. Here it's translated joined in the fight, but they, they lift, they took up weapons, right? That's uh, 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 the meaning of uh, this. Uh, with these, using them as clubs. Uh, sometimes there's staffs, sometimes there's rods. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti stays with clubs. Uh, and he says, they began to get angry, Udyamya, he says. They took fistfuls of reeds as well. And so, so here, here they are there. Now there's a free-for-all going on with uh, 
So then, uh, text 24. Brahma Sharpo Papashristanam Krishnamaya Vritatmanam Spardad Krodakshayam Ninye Vainavong Nir Yatavanam uh, the violent anger of these warriors who were overcome by the Brahmana's curse and bewildered by the Lord's illusory potency now led them to their annihilation just as fire that starts in a bamboo grove destroys the entire forest. So Brahma Sharpa, by the curse of the Brahmana, Upasrishtanam, they were overtaken by this curse, Brahma Sharpa. Sharpa, excuse me, Sharpa, not Sharpa, Sharpa, Brahma Sharpa. And again, Krishna Maya Avritta, covered by the illusory energy of Krishna. Uh, 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 the Atmanam here, those minds, you know, the Atma is a reflexive pronoun, can be the depending on the context, mind, soul, body, is yourself, whatever you might have, a part of that you identify with. So here it's their minds are covered by these things. And then their anger, uh, Sparada Krodha, uh, inflamed by this uh, conflict or rivalry with one another, uh, led them shayam ninye, led them to destruction. And then vainava agni yata vanam. The word vainava uh, means, uh, well, it's from the word venu, bamboo. The flute's also called venu because guess what? <laughs> It's a piece of bamboo. <laughs> it has hole drills in it, you know. So this vinava, this bamboo trees, uh, uh, the uh, a forest of them bamboo trees. So from venu, by Sanskrit rules, you get vinava, having to do with plural, many bamboo stalks, like fire. So th- there's a standard example uh, that you see of how of spontaneous combustion fire starts without a match is in bamboo groves when the the stalks are close together and the wind is blowing them and they rub against each other and it makes friction and then a fire comes up and then the whole bamboo grove is consumed uh, by this fire. Uh, This is an experience you would have in in places like this. it's appropriate because they're they're fighting basically with kind of canes anyway uh, so then uh, uh, 25 continues the narration nevam nasteshu sarveshu kuleshu sveshu keshavaha avataritto buvo bhara when all the members of his own dynasty were destroyed, Lord Krishna thought to himself that at last the burden of the earth had been removed. so in this way, uh, when they have nashta, uh, you know, nashta prayeshu, badreshu, nityam bhagavata sevaya, they all destroys all uh, completely destroy nashti, nashta. So they had been destroyed, all of them. Uh, the, the clans of the dynasty, uh, uh, his own dynasty, Shwa, Sveshu uh, here. Uh, uh, so therefore he said avataritaha had been taken down diminished avatara one who comes down so similar word 
Put here it means that the, the burden of the earth had been reduced. Uh, it's it, now it's it, it's uh, it's happening. What was left of it uh, that that been happening? Um, we've discussed this earlier. The, the why the Yadu dynasty had to go. In one sense, they could the earth could bear that burden, but on the other side, it would have also impeded. Uh, the the uh, advancement of Kali Yuga if they were present and uh, and anyway Krishna's going to leave everybody wants to go with him uh, it's not like they're really you know doesn't it's not as bad as it looks uh, so now. They're gone, and Krishna and Balaram are pretty much the only ones left standing. So now it goes. We start with Lord Balaram, uh, with twenty-six, Ramat Samudra Velayam, Yugam Astaya Paurusham, Tatyaja Lokam Manusham, Samyojyam. Manam Atmani. Interesting. Manam Atmani. Lord Balaram then sat down on the shore of the ocean and fixed himself in meditation upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Merging himself within himself, he gave up this mortal world. So Rama, here, this Rama is Lord Balaram. Uh, Samudravela, the shore of the earth. Uh, when it says fixed himself a meditation, yogam ashtaya, he resorted to yoga. Meditation here is translated this way, but it's yoga. Uh, uh, what is he meditating on? Uh, Purusha, the Supreme Lord. Purusham. Uh, and then Tatyaja Lokam Manusham, he gave up this mortal world, as they translated here. Uh, Lokam Manusham. Manusha means a, a, a human being. Manusha, Manu, uh, but then Manusham. Uh, and the word manusha means human. So this this human world, you could you could say, or uh, as Ishna Chakravarti says, this is his one comment. He doesn't give much comment. He gave up the earth planet, or gave up the human body. Lokam manusham. He could uh, read it that way too. But it doesn't say that he left the body behind. But anyway, because then it's describing how he did this uh, interesting thing. He, Samyodja, merged himself within himself. And then gave up the, uh, this world, departed this world in that way uh, in uh, meditation. So now, uh, uh, text twenty-seven. Rama Niryanam Alokya Bhagavan Devaki Sutaha Nishadsada Darupaste Tushnim. Asadya Pippalam. Translation here is uh, uh, Lord Krishna, the son of Devaki, having seen the departure of Lord Rama, uh, sat down silently on the ground under the a nearby Pippala tree. Uh, so this word that's used here, Rama 
uh, nirnaya. Uh, the word nir, uh, excuse me, nirjana, nirnaya, nir nirjanam, nirjana uh, means to exit, <laughs> to go forth. Like uh, it's used if, when armies are leaving a, a, a settlement, decamping, or when cows are going out to the pasture land. This mm -hmm. word nirjana is using. So the, here, the departure or disappearance of, and it's used also uh, according to the dictionary for meaning dying, departing. Uh, and sometimes it's even used as a replacement for nirvana which means blowing out, basically. Uh, um, it's a Sanskrit word taken over by Buddhists, but um, that's what it means. So then, uh, so Alokya, he saw that, the, the Supreme Lord. And then interesting how he's mentioned as Devaki Sutta, as the son of Devaki. You know, uh, just sort of his connection with the other devotees and his uh, someone who appeared in the world uh, one way. Now he's going to leave another way. Uh, that was how he came in. Now this is how mm -hmm. he's, he's going to go out. Devakisutta, Niyanam Ramaniyanam. And then he sat down silently on the ground, but it's Dara uh, Upaste in the lap of the earth, <laughs> like a mother's lap. Dara, uh, Dara is the earth, Upaste in the lap of the earth. And Silently, said so it is silently, under a uh, pipala tree. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti has a little remark uh, with this from here the Lord's version starts. In other words, now the narration is going to reflect. Uh, Krishna's understanding and the other what really happened is a little veiled by this idea of getting drunk falling a brawl and killing each other off <laughs> he said this is just for the public you know uh, so this is the this is the uh, the confidential version <laughs> is a little different so he says here the Lord version starts he said he tells us when it started and when when the public version started and when it stopped. So he says, From here the Lord Virgin starts. Seeing Balaram return in his Swarup to Maha uh, Vaikuntha, in other words, he's going back to Godhead, and his Amsha to go beneath Patala as Shesha. Mm. So he went off in two directions, really. As Lord Balaram, he went up to Vaikuntha planets above the material world. But then his expansion is Ananda Shesha, who, who, on which the whole, all the universes rest. Okay, he went that way too, <laughs> two directions. Krishna sat under a pipala tree. Now, a pipala tree is also an Ashvata. It's a banyan tree. Uh, uh, the banyan, the name of the banyan, the scientific name, in fact I can look it up for you on Wikipedia, the scientific name of this tree is Ficus religiosa, the religious fig. Uh, uh, and Krishna says, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita 10.26 of the Ashvata tree, Sarva Viksha, among trees I am this Ashvata tree, the Pipala tree. And uh, the band, so he's sitting in uh, underneath this this tree. It's a sacred tree. Uh, um, 
when Buddha achieved enlightenment, it was under the same tree. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it has these leaves that are kind of heart-shaped and then they have this long leaf. This is a, it's a sacred tree. Uh, it says here in the in the in the uh, Wikipedia, the ficus religiosa tree is considered sacred by the followers of Hinduism, Jainism, and Buddhism. Uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, "I am the people tree among the trees," uh, but he uses Ashvata. But it's the same; it's the same tree. And of course, yeah, the the there's the tree where Buddha achieved enlightenment. Same tree. So, uh, and remember, Buddha was a Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, and of course, it's worshipped. Uh, you, you, you sadhus meditate underneath it. Uh, you can uh, do pradikshana. You can go around it and chant mantras, the, the tree. And in one of our Nectar Devotion books, it's mentioning worshipping the sacred fig tree. And I remember when I was a new devotee that uh, Nayana Brahm, my temple president, wrote a letter to Srila Prabhupada asking where we can get such a fig and, and worship it. I mean, it's not like the fig trees we have here. I mean, if you look at the, the banyans, first of all, are very big trees. And the, the figs are very tiny. Look at the fruit. So, but he asked Prabhupada where we can get this fig tree to worship, and Prabhupada said in the letter back, "I think that worshiping the Tulsi will be sufficient for our tree worship." <laughs> <laughs> really funny, you know. So he just said, "Stick to that." But it's it, it's there. So again, when Krishna leaves, he sits under the the Pripala, uh, uh tree. Uh, and uh, so it's called a bodhi tree sometimes because of this uh, 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 so this is the one that's really other trees have sometimes been called the sacred fig tree but this is the ba- it's the banyan it gets the name banyan because bania the word for merchant in, in vernacular and sand in, 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 in Bengali and other things, because merchants would then you know, have their stalls beneath such trees. Uh-huh. They give a lot of shade, and they're big, and they're gathering places of people. So, so that's why it's called the banyan, for, for mm-hmm. word for merchant. <laughs> but it's actually a ashvata or pipala, uh, pipala tree. So that's where he uh, sits uh, uh, there. And uh, and I lose my place here. Yeah. Now the next text, twenty-eight to thirty-two, are all translated here, and and, and Vishnu Chakravarti does it also as a kind of uh, unified text. If you want, I'll read it all together, uh, and then break it up to to uh, look at it. Well, let's just start. Let's try to break it up. Long thing. So I'm gonna. I'll read text 28. You can, if you have the book in front of you, it's done in uh, in. Uh, yeah, it's broken up with double spacing between each verse. Although it's a little hard when you get to the the, the word for word translations, they mm-hmm. merge it all together. So in my notes, I've separated them all out. So it goes like this. We'll start twenty. Bibrachatur bujam rupam brajjishnu prabaya swaya dishovitimrakurvan viduma eva. Pavakata, Pavakaha. So this is 28. Uh, uh, taking that text by itself, it goes, 
the Lord was exhibiting his brilliantly effulgent four-armed form, the radiance of which, just like smokeless fires, dissipated the darkness in all directions. Uh, so his bibrat, the form that he was, uh, the for, his his form bore a a, a a brilliant effulgence. The form is described here as chattubuja, formed arm form. So this is the Narayan form uh, of the Lord. Uh, uh, this chaturbhujam rupam, this four-armed form. So uh, qu- quite, you know, the emblem of now uh, uh, Lord Vishnu, the majestic form. As we'll see, he's decorated with all kinds of ways. This form appears now. Uh, 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 and is described as Brajishnu, brilliant, with its effulgence, Prabhava, Prabhaya. Um, and then uh, th- th- this form, it says here, it, it uh, illuminates all the directions, uh, which is described as like fire without smoke. Uh, viduma, duma is smoke, so it says viduma without smoke. Viduma eva pavakaha. Pava is uh, pavaka is fire, so smoke, smokeless fire. Uh, vitimra, uh, the directions were all uh, devoid of dark, so it's very bright. The effulgence is quite uh, brilliant, and it's this four-handed form. And now it goes on to describe this form. That so now he's this way. Uh, uh, here are the features of this form: Shrivatsankam Ganashamam Taptahataka Varchasam Kosheyam Bharam Yugmena Parivitam Sumangalam. Uh, this form is. Uh, his next sentence in the his complexion was the color of a dark blue cloud and his effulgence the color of molten gold and his all auspicious form bore the marks of Srivatsa uh, uh, it starts out that way with the Srivatsa Ankam with the mark of Srivatsa uh, this is uh, described usually as a, as, a, as a kind of curl of white hair on his chest, which is the described as the Srivats, the mark of the goddess of fortune. That's his consort, and her place that she rests on his chest is marked with this anka, this uh, th- this particular uh, mark. So this is another, you know. Uh, indication of uh, the Supreme Lord and he is Ganesham uh, like a dark blue cloud but a god brother named Ganesham became uh, Bhaktatirtha Swami but he was initially named Ganesham uh, by Prabhupada this dark blue uh, like a rain cloud or sometimes like a rain cloud illuminated by lightning because it's a kind of radiant darkness, a kind of contradictory, both dark and brilliant at the same time. Ganesham. Shaima is dark blue. Uh, Tapta. uh, Like molten hataka, tapta kanshana. Uh, so here's uh, molten gold, uh, varchasam, his effulgence-like uh, molten gold. And this next uh, 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 ambara yugmena pavritam shows up in the next verse when they translate it, in the next uh, sentence in the translation rather. 
but it's it's actually here uh, that he has a a, a pair of uh, of silk garments. Yugma is a, a pair. He's wearing uh, a pair of uh, silk ambara, uh, yeah. and sumangalam. Uh, Mangala already means auspicious, and su means very auspicious. <laughs> this uh, sumangalam. Uh, so this is his his uh, his uh, appearance that, that we can meditate on, and then uh, we're up to text thirty. Sundara smitta vaktrabjam nila kuntala manditam pundarika shibir. Excuse me, pundarika. Kabiramaksham Abiramaksham Suram Makarakundalam So then uh, I translated here A beautiful smile graced his lotus face Locks of dark blue hair adorned his head. His lotus eyes were very attractive, and his shark-shaped earrings glittered. He wore a pair of silken garments. That comes from the last verse, <laughs> which they put into the, even the next sentence. Uh, 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 so, but here in the, the Sanskrit, uh, it says... Uh, that this, uh, that, yeah, uh, Sundaram uh, Smittam, Vatra, his countenance uh, uh, was uh, 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 with a beautiful smile, actually. Sundaram Smitta, smiling with a, a, a beautiful face. Abjamnila, uh, uh, like a, uh, yeah. Oh, I see. They put this. Okay. Is uh, abja means a, means a lotus. Uh, one of the millions of words for lotuses. <laughs> abja, born out of the mud, actually. <laughs> His, his lotus face, and then his uh, nila kuntala manditam, his head covered with locks of, and the, the hair is described as blue, like a, there's a kind of blue that's, uh, uh, there's a kind of black that's like, almost like bluish black, you know. Uh, and then with locks of his kuntala mand or mandita, his head adorned with kind of gl- bluish locks, pundariksham abhirama aksham. His eyes are pundarika lotus, <laughs> abhirama, very charming. And then there were. Uh, what they describe here is shark-shaped earrings, which are spurat, sh- trembling. They're moving a little bit, and they're makara-shaped. Uh, Prabhupada always trans uses the word shark-shaped because I guess his early disciples didn't know what a makara is. But they're, a, a makara is a, a, a sea beast that has sort of the the... Sometimes it's translated alligator or crocodile, but it's actually kind of has a, almost like a head like an elephant, big head and a, a kind of a small tail. And so it looks, you know, this is the shape, is this kind of makara shaped. The earrings that are makara shaped earrings are like that. And I've seen pictures of makaras. Now it's described as a mythological beast. Uh, 
Uh, Ganga Devi rides on a makara, mm -hmm. uh, for example. That's her vahana, her carrier, mm -hmm. is the, uh, the makara. Uh, and so sometimes they're called sharks, sometimes called crocodiles, but it's really this, this kind, kind of a, a swirly shape earring that's shaped like a makara, just so you know. Banu Swami actually translates it his makara earrings. Um, but that's what they what they are, these makara-shaped earrings that are shaking. I went on uh, trying to look for them, you know, on, on the internet to find pictures, and people have different ideas of even what that is, so you got to, because they're trying to sell you earrings, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't really know. So now we're on text 31, we'll finish up. This description of the Lord is a beautiful description, actually. Quite, quite. Well, nice how they pause to like mm -hmm. just contemplate mm -hmm. Krishna now, standing and then sitting under the people tree, very relaxed, very at ease, very beautiful, and, and quite, uh, quite uh, mm -hmm. majestic. Uh, so, six thirty-one, Kati Sutra Brahma Sutra. Oh, that's so nice. Kati Sutra Brahma Sutra, Kirita Katakangadai, Haranupurumudra Bhi, Kastubena Virajitam. See, this is where they have uh, Kati Sutra. His belt. Uh, uh, it means uh, the belt around his waist, uh, Kati Sutra, uh, and then Brahma Sutra, the the sutra, the thread that's the Brahma. Sometimes it's thread, but you know it's like a it's a, it's his belt uh, when it's a Kati Sutra, something that goes around, and then Brahma Sutra, his his ornamental belt, sacred thread. Uh, so they, they pick up after this pair of seven, an ornamental belt, belt, a sacred thread, bracelet and arm ornaments, along with a helmet, kastuba jewel, necklace, anklets, and other royal emblems. So he's quite well decorated here. Didn't look like he came out of a bad fight at all, huh? <laughs> uh, no torn clothes, no... <laughs> bruises. Uh, so he still has this uh, kataka, the, uh, well, kirita is, is his helmet, his crown, his kataka, his bracelets, angadai, uh, arm ornaments, uh, hara, necklace, nipura, ankle bells, and this mudra, in the plural, Royals, emblems, symbols, cub, conch shell, disc, lotus, whatever, you know, those kind of thing. And the gem that he wears, Kastuba, typical his Kastuba, there are many stories about this gem and how what happened to but this is his gem that he, he wears, uh, that's another one of his signature ornaments, you might call, uh, and Virajita, splendid. And then uh, 32, Vanamala Paritangam Murtimad Birnija Yudai Kritvorao Dakshine Padam Asinam Pankaja Runam. He, encircling his body were flower garlands and his personal weapons in their embodied forms. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. As he sat, he held his left foot with its lotus red sole upon his right uh, 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 thigh. Uh, by the way, the translations that the BBT uses is, and, and the one that... We find in Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary of the, of the same when they translate Vanamali. When it says he's wearing uh, garlands, uh, Vanamala means really forest flower garlands, wildflower garlands. Vana is a forest, Vanamala. Uh, 
Vanamala uh, Parita, encircled by flower forest flowers. So these are the fresh forest flower garlands that he has. Uh, and his limbs, uh, uh, by his, uh, yeah, circled his, his osanga, his limbs, it says it means his body actually. And then, then he was uh, also these murti madbi uh, nidja adyuja, his own weapons in murtimat, in their own forms. So his weapons, club, conch shell, this, usually what they talk about these, these, these uh, 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 em- emblems, or what, they, they are all persons. They're, they're not just inanimate objects, they're devotees of various kinds. And then it says, uh, with his uh, the sole of his right foot, uh, the padam means the, the sole of the foot. Uh, <coughs> he's sitting with that uh, placed on his uh, th- dakshina, his right foot placed on his thigh. Pankaja with red like a lotus means the sole of the foot was red like a, a lotus, which will then, as we see, become a target. <laughs> For the next episode, okay. So that that's that's how he's uh, uh, sitting in this way, uh, in this very very quite beautiful kati sutra bhamasutra. I mean, very poetic uh, description uh, of of the Lord, uh, and yeah, quite <coughs> gorgeous and very relaxed. Uh, his eyes are, are, are charming, his earrings are shaking, everything is spotless, shining, he's really dressed for a nice trip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember the Makara, whenever you see sharp shake earrings, it's the Makara. In Mayapur, in the uh, place where the householders live, there's a in front of somebody's house. They have a statue of a makara. Mm-hmm. You can see what it looks like because you're right by the bank of the Ganga. So I guess I decided to put it there. Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments? If you're on Mayapur TV, you can type in your question into the chat box the right of the screen, or you can use the chat box on Urban Distributor's website, rsdasa.com, rsdasa.com. If you're on Facebook, you can type your question into the comment section there, and if you're on the phone, you can press star six and I will unmute yourself. And first up, I guess, uh, Kendra asks, he says, if uh, in connection with the disappearance pastime of Lord Balaram, can you say where it is written that Ananta Shesha emerged from his mouth at that same time? I, did th- I don't think it said mouth. Did I say mouth? I'm just going by, by what Vishma Chakravarti Thakur says. Does it say, where does it say mouth? Maybe there's another description of it that I, that I don't remember. But uh, he just says that, that when when he uh, uh, he, he, he when he w- when he merged himself in himself that he then went went to his place he went in two directions. I mean it's very interesting that the you know the Lord is at the top uh, as as Krishna and the bottom as as Balaram holding mm-hmm. keeping I mean the. the whole material creation is sort of got those two there is at the bottom and is at the top in this way and Kendra said he had heard it somewhere but cannot remember where yeah it's, it's vague memory somewhere that uh, but, I, but I can't remember yeah could look for it try to find it 
He also has a comment here. He says, as you were narrating Krishna manifesting himself in his majestic Vishnu form before departing this world, I remembered being astounded after my first reading of Bhagavad Gita as it is that how is it that such a newsworthy event as God himself appearing on earth hardly known is hardly known outside of India? Well, it's getting around now. <laughs> <laughs> Takes time. I mean, the, when the Bhagavad Gita, you know, it only hit the West in the 19th century. Uh, uh, really. Uh, and, uh, you know, Thoreau read it and, uh, and others. And even, like, uh, the, the German philosopher uh, Schopenhauer, he encountered the Upanishads blew his mind. He read them all the time. But he had a Latin translation of a Persian translation of the Sanskrit. That's that's how they 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 kind of gradually got to the West. I mean people had encountered India for a long time but but you know, especially people were thinking that they're Westerners. They thought they were superior and anyway. Darker skin people didn't know anything, and <laughs> you still encounter that sometimes. <laughs> Took a while, and then and then I really created a crisis. I mean, when Westerners began to discover Sanskrit and look at Sanskrit grammar and how it was done, it put them in a state of cultural shock. Because, you know, first of all, they recognized that this was the ancestral language of Greek and Latin. Remember the Westerners, those were the golden days, the glory that was Greece, the grandeur that was Rome, and Latin and Greek were like, you know, the big languages you learned to, you know, in school to like really uncomprehend the great time, Plato, and, you know, Aristotle, and, and anyway. This was like the big thing, and here was a language. And then when you looked at, at how it was really set up and how the linguistics worked, they went into a state of shock. These people were smarter than they were. Blew their minds. And that's how they came up with this theory. Well, the Aryans must have come in <laughs> from the north. And <laughs> it couldn't have been. <laughs> Kendra has one more comment here. He says, a little humorous comment. He said, it would be a great credit to the large community of devotees surrounding Gainesville if the University of Florida could be persuaded to change their team name from the Gators to the Makaras. To <laughs> the Makaras, yeah. Hey, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a general comment sort of along the same lines of um, uh, Kendra's. It's just that uh, one of the things I blew my mind when I first encountered Krishna and the devotees was this notion that, that there's actual description of God, you know, mm -hmm. like a physical description, right? Like, okay, yeah. he's got curly hair and it's bluish black and it's, you know, yeah. this color and everything. And just, just you know, and, and you know, we constantly are reminded of his descriptions. But it's just something that really struck me as a Catholic. You know, I grew up as a Catholic. That God was just like the clouds in the sky or something. You know, like, or like this bright light or a voice. Yeah, or, you right, know, there's yeah. no nothing uh, tangible mm -hmm. or an old man with a beard or whatever. You mm -hmm. Yeah. So it really right. struck me. Well, Nobody you'd want to know. Yeah, no, right, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, just a comment yeah. along those lines. Yeah, along those lines, <laughs> I yeah. remember a, a memorable time in a, when one of my, um, I think it was the Judaic Studies classes at the Divinity School, and, and my professor said, okay, uh, God is love, God mm. is compassion, you know, like these sort of descriptions. Abstraction. Yeah, yeah, and everybody said, oh, yeah, that's that's God, yeah. And he goes, and then God has blue eyes, and God had any like a, like very like physical descriptions. Everybody just started laughing. And he said, mm. "Why are you laughing? You're okay with prescribing these kind of abstract mm. qualities to God." But as soon as we get a little more concrete, it's like that's that's like a laughing. Mm. So you just yeah. immediately laugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. No, Thomas Aquinas says that he says the more abstract the terms are, the more properly they refer to God. Mm. So they're looking for this. 
you know, this is what they call the negative theology, that you really only not this, not uh, that, neti neti in, in, in Sanskrit, you know, that beyond this, beyond that, beyond that, beyond that. And then they say, this is Plotinus, beyond, beyond. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> It was beyond, beyond, then you come back around again. <laughs> so, so it is, because here Krishna has a spiritual form, and to some people that would be, you know, a contradiction. But, you know, Nicholas of Cusa, for example, said, you know, define God as the coincidence of opposites. So it can't be just abstract. That would be a limitation. If you say if he's a person, it limits him. You know, that was the idea, so God can't be a person that would limit him. But if he's nothing, that kind of limits all the way, you know. So why can't he be simultaneously with and without form, a, a spiritual form? The synthesis of, you know, of opposites. That's Krishna. And then those who have seen him with their spiritual vision, they use these terms. This is what they've left behind, so they're good guides. Uh, so, so, and yeah, so this, this is, you know, and when you see uh, a Krishna in this way, he also is all attractive. That means kind of casts a spell. You know, some people have this something about them, you can't even say what it is that like makes you like, they've got charisma, as they say, you know. To use another religious term, <laughs> but that's that's that that's, that that has has to be there, not just an abstraction. Does, uh, the, I, I remember encountering and hearing stories of encountering um, and book distribution in Boston, um, uh, Muslim, you know, um, some Muslims. And they really took issue to the idea of God, you know, sitting down, eating with his friend. You know, there's a picture of, uh, I forget some, what okay. book it was. What, what yeah, it was a Science of Self-Realization yeah. or something where Krishna's sitting with his friends eating, you know, mm -hmm. food. And, and it was really freaking out about, so he's eating, what happens to the food, God, that's God. You know, like, you know, the idea that God could embody, like, a form like this and eat, and then what happens to that food, you know, this, mm -hmm. the mechanics of it, <laughs> really, they really took issue with it. It was always, mm -hmm. like, a real kind of a hang-up thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we just have to explain to people that God doesn't have a, a material body. Mm. And you, you, they think, you know, this anthropomorphic, you made him look mm -hmm. like a man. Right. But our philosophy is that our form is theomorphic. Mm. <laughs> We're made in the image of God. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, yeah, for God he doesn't have to eat to digest. But on the other hand, the sense of taste is pretty far out. And, you, you, you know, I mean, why not? You can't, you, you know, I'm saying he can't do it. <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> you can do it, but not God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must be really, and he must be a bore to be with too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I remember my my son, yeah, Nimai, who's he's six, he's six year old, he's six, and describing the whole how Krishna eats prasadam thing. You know, he, he's having a hard time understanding what because the food's still there, so you're offering it, but the food's still there, so, you know, what's going on? I remember trying to explain it in all these different ways, and he just was, I don't know, somehow it just, and then finally I was like, it's like magic. <laughs> so, you know, he was like, oh, okay. And now he gets it. It's like, okay, God has magic, and that's, he can taste with his eyes, you know, because he's magic, you know, and somehow it worked. And it's like, <laughs> and somehow now he got it. it. Now he has it, yeah. Anything else? Vijay Krishna Prabhu, he has a question unrelated to the class, but he'd like to ask. He said, um, why is it that the Hare Krishna movement allows for marriage when it is known that man is compared to butter and woman is compared to fire? Well, uh, 
you know, it's it, 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 you have to uh, take your enunciation in either way. Uh, uh, it's not everybody that that can immediately be renounced. And we've had a seat of people who take, who you know, and we've seen in our movement, so many people think, okay, I'm not going to get married, I'm just going to be on the spiritual path. And then they end up falling away and falling down, and, and maybe things are worse than better than they would be if they just got married and followed the rules and regulations. So there's two ways of, of being renounced. And... Uh, uh, but uh, you know, if you say you know the really you know if if you are, Prabhupada used the term sometimes of a a, a householder brahmachari, you know, you've, you've taken this vow, and a, a very restricted uh, sex life, but uh, that that's uh, and, and how how to do it? That's you can also make advantage. He says. Uh, because Krishna consciousness, the process is so powerful that e even in those circumstances, you can, you can make advancement. So it, it's allowed, and better to be a you know an honest householder than than a, a, a wearing orange and being a brahmacharya sannyasi, but all at the same time, you know, you don't want people to know what you're looking at on the internet. <laughs> You know, and unfortunately, I've seen a lot of uh, this kind of stuff uh, going on. Where, yeah, people just—it's it's very difficult in, in modern world. Uh, and the, the point of following these vows is it's difficult at first, but as a spiritual taste begins to develop. You realize you've you've got something better, and something far more satisfying, and something that's permanent. An entirely different quality of experience becomes possible. These these principles, uh, uh, the regular principles. I take we, we we usually think of them as moral principles, but they're also principles of knowledge. The, the, the trouble is about being a sense gratifier or an enjoyer is it makes you incapable of spiritual experience. You can't both, you know, light a fire and pour water on it at the same time. That's why people take it up. Because you can then begin the, your capacity for spiritual experience starts to, to, to awaken and you can encounter and that it, first of all it's permanent so any the trouble with material experience happiness is it's temporary you know the coca-cola is empty the husband and wife grow old you know the girlfriend has a new boyfriend the, <laughs> Bank runs out of your bank account, runs out of money. You know, all everything you got is like temporary. And of course, you know, not permanent. So, uh, but the quality of 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 of, 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 of spiritual perception is quite different. Now, the only way to understand what that means is to do it. You know. If, Somebody's congenital to blind is hard to describe the difference between, say, blue and red. You know, you just have to experience it. But it's there, and you can get a taste of it fairly early on. And then, as that taste develops, the taste for material things it's declines, becomes manageable. Especially Krishna consciousness. I mean, bhakti yoga means rishikesha rishikenam sevanam bhaktiruchya, engaging the senses. So you give your senses, your 
senses means here your your knowledge acquiring senses your gyanindriya of hearing seeing tasting touching smelling the, the knowledge acquiring senses and the karmindriya your hands your legs your of which you perceive and act on the world uh, 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 with those senses uh, those both of those become engaged and you so you're not just sitting around idly waiting to do something you want to see something beautiful well here's Krishna we've got the best poetry we've got the anyway so on there's plenty of there to attract the, the senses that's spiritual that's why Krishna comes and does these things so if you really want really good stories really good things to think about and then even you know if you 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 look at the deities in the temple okay they're made of stone or, or wood or or but these Krishna and Krishna's name are the same Krishna and Krishna's picture are the same you also start to see that unity where the the, the symbol and the symbolized so to speak you know the the name and the name they come together uh, and so these are vehicles of interest entrance ways of uh, that Krishna makes himself manifest in the material first you know uh, uh, Radha and Krishna in the temple okay you can see with your material vision but gradually that vision becomes cleared up and, and you begin to see that they are not the same. I remember when I was, well, I was a new devotee because Prabhupada was there. We were in the New York temple. Prabhupada came and, and uh, Radha Govinda were there newly. And we greet the deities, you know, in the morning you blow the conch shell. And, the, and so Prabhupada is standing there in front of the altar. Uh, some devote, devotees are kind of lined up behind him to greet the deities. The conch shell blows, the curtains open, and Prabhupada's standing there, and I saw, and other people saw, tears come from his eyes. Immediately, and not only did they come from his eyes, they squirted out as though they expressed through a syringe. They came, two little streams shot out. The intensity of his feelings was such that, and it sprinkled on the floor. You know, Prabhupada just offered his obeisance, he kept going, and then everybody got down and they <laughs> put him on their head, you know, take them off. Like, but that, that was the intensity of his feeling, just seeing, you know, oh, nice statues. He didn't see nice statues, he saw Radha and Govinda. And anyone else, he never said, you can't do it, only I can do it. He said, you do like what I tell you, you can do it too. Now this is, this is what, what happens. Okay, any other questions or comments? All right, we'll pick up up. With what are we going to pick up with? Text number 33. Yeah, I got them. 33. But no, but no class next week. We'll be out of town. Okay, there'll be, there'll be a break. Yeah, I'll be out of town. And the following week. Yeah, going to be in a monastery. <laughs> no, Vaishnava Christian dialogue oh. is being held in. The Abbey. At the Abbey. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam, Ki Jai.